Welcome everyone to our Good Friday service this morning. Good to see you all here. It's a, one of those services where it's not a celebration as much as it is a day of remembrance. Um, a day when we once again come face to face with the fact that this isn't just a story that you can read in an old book. Um, these events truly happened one Friday some 2,000 years ago and uh, events that saw the Son of God, God the Son, dying on a cross for us. Um, And what he accomplished there has made it a good Friday indeed. Let's commit our service to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, when we open your book, your true word, uh, it reminds us that uh, Jesus was in very nature God, and yet he made himself nothing, and he took on human flesh, and then in humility and obedience, he surrendered himself to death, even death on a cross. And that's what we've come to thank you for today. We, um, We understand, Lord, that... Your death has meant life for us, and so we're very grateful. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, you'll help us to have hearts that are truly humbled, hearts that are grateful for the sacrifice that you have made for us. Can you help um, all of us today just to be honouring to you in all that we do and say in this place? Lord, we ask that you'll um, go before it, and may all that uh, that happens here be honouring to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing together a beautiful song of praise. Hallelujah to my King.
What a saviour. We truly do owe everything to him. Please take a seat. Um, we're doing things a little bit differently today, and so we're going to take up the offering now, if the offering stewards could come forward. And if you have come prepared to give an offering today, just know that it goes to Barnabas Fund. Um, that's um, a not, not-for-profit organisation that helps persecuted Christians around the world. We have brothers and sisters that are suffering so much in far-reached places, um, and Barnabas Fund seeks to support them. So any four volunteers would be great. <laughs> Um, to take up the offering and I will commit it to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, um, we're mindful of the, the passage in Revelation where John sends a letter, letter to the um, church in Smyrna and he recognises that they are in such great poverty and yet also are very rich. And Lord, there are lots of our brothers and sisters around the world at the moment who are in the same state. Lots of them are starving, are in prisons, are probably suffering things we can't even imagine simply because they love Jesus. And because of that, Lord, they are very rich. And we just pray that um, you will just remind them of the hope that is theirs in Christ. Can you fill their hearts with courage and um, comfort and your deepest peace and joy no matter their circumstances? And Lord, we just ask that you will minister to them today. We pray also that this money that we give will help to ease the burden that many are facing. We pray that it will be sent right where it's needed and that other believers will be encouraged by the fact that we love them here in Australia. Lord, we just ask that um, all that's done with this money will indeed bring glory to your name and help others to know you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Our disciples didn't understand what was happening at this time, but Jesus knew these things had to take place. Can you imagine the anguish the turmoil that Jesus was going through at this time. One of his own disciples had betrayed him and it was falling into place for him to experience one of the cruelest, agonising deaths known to man. And yet he was still willing to do the Father's will. Why was Jesus so obedient? Why was he willing to be obedient to the Father's will? because he knew what was to come. And even though it would be cruel and pain and anguish for a time, it was to be the benefit for many people. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, 
man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man was also with him, for he too was a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked to Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Spend just a moment thinking about how this would have cut Jesus to the heart. Having told Peter that he would deny him three times, and yet he still goes and denies him. Peter denies Jesus because he was afraid to lose his life by being associated with Jesus. I'm sure each of us could think of a time when when we have denied Jesus in some way throughout our lives. And mostly it's because of a similar sort of reason. It's a similar sort of reason because we don't want the embarrassment of being associated with Jesus. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at this time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other.
Did you notice the humility of Jesus there? Even when everyone else around him is accusing him and beating him and mocking him, he remains self-controlled and humble. Why? He knew that good would come out of this bad. He knew that it was necessary for him to suffer and die in order for God's glory to be revealed on the cross. But you might notice another thing. Jesus never answers their questions directly about being the king of the Jews or being the son of God. He never answers directly. They wouldn't have believed him anyway. He, he never answers them directly about being the son of God either because they wouldn't have believed him anyway. But the reason behind this was so that it would, it would fulfill the prophecy written by Isaiah hundred years, hundreds of years earlier from Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed." All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus is entire ministry had revealed who he was in word, deed and actions. If they weren't going to believe him after all that he, they had done, that he had done and they had heard, they weren't going to believe him while they, while they had him on trial. They had every opportunity to work out whether Jesus was telling the truth about him being the Son of God. Jesus' humility is an example to us and it's when we are humble enough to lose our life for his sake, that's where we find it. We're going to stand and sing together a beautiful song called Oh, the Wonderful Cross.
together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them 
You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. That horrible pilot, that nasty, horrible pilot, he had Jesus killed. Our saviour, he had Jesus killed. We can sometimes think like this, can't we? And yet, the Apostles' Creed says that Jesus suffered and died under Pontius Pilate. But when we really think about it, the ones that had him killed were the ones yelling, Crucify him! in the crowd. Little did they know that Jesus was going to die for the exact same sin that they were then committing. And little do we stop and think about Jesus dying for our sins. It wasn't just Pilate who had Jesus crucified. You see, Jesus suffered under the burdens of all of our sin and denial, similar to Peter's. None of us can say that we were not responsible for the suffering and death that Jesus endured. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the Skull, there they, were cruci- there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. 
one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Even at the point of death, Jesus is still able to pour out grace upon the thief on the cross beside him who cries out to Jesus for forgiveness. This is the very nature of God, that even when it cost him the most, he is still able to deliver those who call upon his name. He is still willing to ask for for forgiveness for the very people who are carrying out his execution. That's amazing. Another thing that you might notice is that the curtain was torn from top to bottom. The curtain divided the regular part of the temple with the Holy of Holies and the priest would only go in once a year and even then they would tie a rope around his middle so that they could drag him back out if, if heaven forbid God had poured out his wrath. And yet God reached down now and tore the, t- tore the curtain from top to bottom to reveal himself and to break the barrier between himself and mankind. The Almighty God reached down himself to save man. What an amazing Father we have. What an amazing love he's shown. We're going to stand and sing again how deep the Father's love for us.
Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from a Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. Mark's Gospel, the book of Mark, states that the centurion says, Surely this man was the Son of God. Now, our centurion is is one of the toughest men standing there watching the proceedings. He was in charge of 100 of the roughest and strongest kind of men, soldiers of the day. He was most probably, he most probably would have seen hundreds of these exact same crucifixions. And yet with this one he says and sees Jesus as a righteous man, an innocent man. Jesus was innocent. Pilate had seen this and now the centurion says it. But the sins of the people had to be paid for in some way. Because of God's righteous requirement, He could not forgive without something or some form of sacrifice, paying the penalty, redeeming the people. We have a chance to respond to Jesus this morning. In light of all that we've read and seen, we could just walk out of here beating our breasts like the people. Or we have the opportunity to respond like the centurion, and see Jesus as a righteous man, an innocent man who paid the penalty for my sin, for our sins, and gave us new life with God. Why is it called Good Friday? Good Friday doesn't sound that good, but Good Friday is because of the death of Jesus Christ. As terrible as it was, led to the resurrection on Easter Sunday, which brought new life to those who believe. We're going to come around the communion table very shortly. If the stewards would come forward, please. And it's our opportunity to remember and respond to the, the sacrifice of Jesus. The bread and the juice symbolizes Jesus' body and blood. And we have the opportunity to symbolically participate in Jesus' death this morning. We have the opportunity to symbolically participate in the pain and anguish that Jesus experienced. Be assured this morning that if you have 
submitted yourself to God in light of the sacrifice of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. Be assured that God has given us the power to live a holy and righteous life because of Jesus. And be assured that God has given us power over sin and death because of what is to come on Easter Sunday, the resurrection. Bring back a relationship with God. Would you eat and drink with me now? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what a what a powerful message that that we have this morning. That you gave of yourself for our sake. That you suffered and died, suffered in the most excruciating way for our sake. And Lord, all we can say is thank you. All we can offer up is our, our brokenness and our sin and our denial and our shame. And yet you turn that into something beautiful. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for redeeming us. And Lord, as we, as we go out this morning, may we be reminded of of the good that is that is from Good Friday, but of the wonderful celebration of your resurrection on Easter Sunday, the wonderful celebration that, that the resurrection brings us new life with you. Lord, thank you. I pray these things in your name. Amen. If you have business to do with, with God this morning, Don't be afraid to come and kneel at the foot of the cross and give that up to Jesus. Thank you. We started the service with a a beautiful song that reminded us that um, we owe everything to him and we're going to finish the service in a similar vein with a lovely song that says... Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe because life, true life, begins and ends with Jesus. Let's stand and sing together. And I hear the Saviour say my strength indeed
Thanks a lot for coming along this morning. And uh, if you would like to hear the rest of the story of Jesus' resurrection, it's uh, normal time on Sunday, 9am. We'd love to see you here. Thank you. <laughs> 